With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode five of the World Wanderers podcast, the most popular podcast produced in North Canmore. That's true. I'm Ryan. I'm Amanda and we're your hosts. And today we're talking about our time in Ireland, how to avoid travel fails like the one we had in Belfast. Um, what else are we talking about? Um, we're going to cover our time in Dublin as well as our time in Cork, a little bit about what we did, and of course, some travel lessons along the way. Yeah. Do you want to start? Sure. So we took the ferry from Stranraer. Stranraer? Stranraer in Scotland over to Belfast. Uh, it wasn't very long. Everything in the UK is pretty close. Um, so we reached Belfast and then we took a bus into the center of the city and then walked to our hostel. Um, I was thinking about compared to our trip in South America, I know we touched on this a little bit last week, but just how much we took like public transit and whatnot, cause it was so expensive to cab everywhere. How in South America we cabbed everywhere as opposed to taking public transit just cause it was cheap and it's safer that way. Yeah. It's definitely not easier getting, I don't know if I want to say easier getting around, but getting from train station, bus station to where you're going in South America, because you can always take taxis. Yeah, they're so cheap, especially with more than Whereas one person. Whereas in, in Europe, you have to heave it. We kind of talked about that last time about backpacking being backpacking because you're actually carrying your backpack around. Yeah, for sure. Um, so getting to Belfast, we stayed at a place called Arnie's Backpackers, which was near Queen's University. Um, it was a cute little place. It was really small. I remember the bunk beds were pretty jam-packed in. Um, it had a nice atmosphere though. Yeah, I think they had good breakfast, but it was fairly unremarkable, I think. Yeah, definitely not in my list of top hostels that I've stayed at. But you recently went back to Belfast and where did you stay at that time? Yeah, I went back, uh, close to a year ago now last fall and, uh, my friend Courtney and I actually stayed at Vagabond's hostel, which is still in the Queens University area. So similar area to where you and I stayed, but Vagabond's is definitely... It's very highly rated hostel. Uh, it was great. Lots of room in the dorms, really cool atmosphere. It was small, which I know you and I like as opposed to a big hostel, but mm -hmm. it wasn't too small. It had a good atmosphere in it. Oh, cool. For sure. So the when we were in Belfast, how long? We had a day and a half. Not very much time. And we hadn't done any research in advance. And it didn't lead to a very good use of time in Belfast? No, definitely not. Um, we did not do a research before getting to Northern Ireland. So we got there and uh, all of a sudden we realized there was all this stuff to see and do and we didn't have the time there. So we missed out on pretty much all of the key things to do in Belfast, um, such as the Titanic exhibit, seeing the murals in West Belfast, um, going to the Giants Causeway. Going to Giants Causeway was a huge one. So I actually did all these things when I returned last fall. And must-sees. We definitely yeah. made a mistake there. So the problem was that we had booked a flight from Cork to Pamplona, I think, 
for six or seven days after we got to Belfast. So we were at that point running on no time. Yeah. Not with no time. One week time. One week to do all of Ireland. It's just not enough. And we had, we did, made the decision to spend more in Dublin. Yeah. We definitely didn't do the research, though. No, I remember my brother had told me about the Giant's Causeway. But I didn't really make a note of it. And then we got to Belfast and we're like, oh, the Giant's Causeway is here. And we're like, oh, we can't do that. Yeah, we have like one day here and it's like already halfway through the day and we leave tomorrow. Oh, we can't do that. That's too bad. And it's one of the, I don't know, it's on one of those top lists of things to see in the world. I don't know which one, but one of those lists. And it's definitely worth it. Uh, my friend Courtney and I took a day tour there and it's not very impressive from afar. Like you kind of expect something amazing from afar. You just see this like pile of rocks and you're walking along. It's about a kilometer walk where you can take a bus down and you get on it. And it's just these crazy stones. They all have the same shape and they're built like it's like they're pillars, but they're all natural. It's so cool. Would you say that's the number one attraction in Northern Ireland? For sure. In my opinion. And then probably the Titanic stuff. Yeah. So you can go see where the Titanic was built which is really cool. And then they have a really, really interactive Titanic museum there. Um, it's definitely worth the money to get in, I think. Yeah. And then the other thing I found interesting about there is learning more about the history of the conflict in Northern Ireland. Yeah. We didn't know too much about that at all. Hey. Um, no, I just knew that it, like the Catholics and Protestants there had been fighting for a long time, but nothing in depth. And I didn't really realize how, um, it's not as serious now, but it's still fairly serious. So when we got there, you see all the police trucks and the police trucks are like armored, armored cars. Um, definitely more of a um, militarized police force than you see other places. Yeah, for sure. And Courtney and I took the hop on, hop off sightseeing bus, which you and I didn't get the chance mm -hmm. to do. So we went through West Belfast where the political murals are. And it's a whole different world to where we stayed over by the university. It's a lot grungier. You can definitely tell that there's a there's a history there for sure. Yeah, and when we were there, it was actually um, just before, I think it's called marching season, where one of the groups of religious folk marches through the area of the other group of religious folk and just says mean things. And it doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't know why they let that happen. But um, yeah, so that's when tensions seem to peak for the year. I think they do a giant bonfire where they burn a statue of the Pope or something like that. Oh, wow. That's kind of intense. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of interesting because Northern Belfast is still technically part of the United Kingdom. So they're actually still on. They still use the pound as opposed to the euro. Uh, citizens there actually have a different passport. They have a United Kingdom passport as opposed to an Irish passport. Mm -hmm. So Northern Ireland is segregated from the rest of Ireland and the EU. Yeah. So the general dynamic of the conflict, if it, people don't know, is that um, the Irish in regular Ireland are mostly Catholic population. Um, England is a Protestant population. So when England, um, England being in control of Northern Ireland, people see that as the police force really um, kind of oppressing the Catholic minority there. 
Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I feel like people don't really know about that. Like I definitely didn't before going. I still don't feel like I have a strong understanding of the conflicts there. Yeah, me either. There's an interesting part about it in Malcolm Gladwell's most recent book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, so what did we do in Belfast? We've talked about yeah, what we, we didn't did have there. much time. So we went and walked around Queen's University, which is a really nice um, space. Yeah, I went to the botanical gardens there, which are beautiful. We also saw City Hall and Donegal Square. Um, we eat lunch at a really cool cafe slash bookstore. It's called Book Founders. I remember getting a really good soup and salad and I was so excited to have like some light, healthy food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of, I think this is becoming more of a trend now to you have the bookstore mixed with the cafe or the restaurant. I but love I the concept. I haven't seen personally. it, but yeah, I really like the concept as well. And that was more of like a used bookstore. So it was kind of, dusty and had that smell of like being in a library i just love it i love it i would like it if it was a bit more clean i think yeah the food was good though yeah no really good food simple tasty food Um, some cool books appear around while you're waiting yeah it was also like walking into somebody's house and just like having like this stranger cookie like a homemade meal while you browsed her books yeah and one thing that was cool in Belfast that we noticed was that Tim Hortons is there. Yeah, pretty fun. Yeah, we walked into a gas station and see donuts and Tim Hortons coffee and we're like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, took a photo. <laughs> yeah, obviously, obviously <laughs> took a photo. Um, and then we went to a bar called the Botanic Inn. Yeah, it was like the Queen's University bar. Yeah. So I but, remember thinking it reminded me of the Den, which is University of Calgary's bar i think it was it must have been end of school year people were crazy yeah i got the impression that it was like graduation or something because it was in the summer around that time but i don't think they work on the same schedule but yeah it was very busy and we were kind of just like sitting at a table people watching it was a good time though yeah it was interesting had maybe one too many ciders we yeah, you were loving the ciders in the UK. yeah yeah so because i have a gluten intolerance i can't drink beer but i love Ciders in the UK, Magners, Balmers, two of my favorites. I actually had a Magners in Calgary last week. I was so oh, excited cool. to find it at a decent price in Calgary. It's and so it, good. It seems like that trend for ciders to be something you can, or that that's popular to drink is really coming over here too. There's a lot more brands of ciders and craft ciders and stuff, especially if you go into the States, but yeah. also in Canada. Yeah, for sure. So Belfast was a really good learning experience for us because we realized that you really do need to do some planning ahead of time, especially if you're on a crunch for time, because we didn't do any research about Belfast beforehand. And because of that, we missed out on a lot of things that would have been really great for us to see. Yeah, we didn't have much logic um, in the division of our days, other than knowing quite a bit about Dublin, wanting to go to Cork to go to the Blarney Stone. That's pretty much the reason we wanted to go there. And um, having the flight booked from Cork. So we were like, oh, Belfast, because that's where you can take a ferry from Scotland, stay there for a day, because it doesn't seem like there's that much to do there, and then carry on. And, and to be honest, there isn't a ton to do in Belfast. No, there is definitely, you know, a day or two spent doing the hop-on, hop-off bus, though you definitely could do, and then a day doing Giant's Causeway. I think three days would have been nice. I think the thing for us was that we didn't know what, what there was to do there. If we had known, we would have 
been able to go do the Titanic stuff. Um, and we should have gone on the, a tour gone and looked at um, the other areas of town, but we just kind of were like, eh, yeah. but I don't feel like doing anything. We only had that one day. So when you get in those moods, if like you just want to chill out and you only have one day in a city, it doesn't really mesh up. Well. Yeah, for sure. And so something that we have learned to do is um, will we usually carry a guidebook with us? Um, guidebooks. How do you feel about guidebooks? So we went through this, uh, a series of, or I went through a series of opinions on guidebooks because when we were in Europe, I had a let's go Europe book, which is just a steaming pile of crap. Um, don't buy that. Uh, so then we went to Southeast Asia we bought a lonely planet and I really liked it. It was felt, very helpful for us. Yeah. Very helpful. It was like my Bible. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we also got a lonely planet for Australia, which was so, so, but then recently in South America, I really wasn't a fan of the lonely planet. I don't know if that's just times changing. And now with TripAdvisor and Hostel World and other websites, you don't need it as much. I think ours, or maybe that's us changing as travelers too. But, um, also having one guidebook for an entire continent. Like at one point yeah. we did a book exchange to get an Argentina specific one. And yeah, that was one was better. so much better. And I think that because there are book exchanges along the way, if you are backpacking and hosteling, buy a guidebook for your first country that you're going to be in and just try to exchange along the way. Because a, a complete Europe guidebook, there's no way they can cover it all. Yeah. So and South America. The thing that I found a little bit disappointing in the Lonely Planet for South America is that there's no... Each town seems to be treated independently in so that they give you the things to do in that town. What's best here? What's not best, but they don't give you that relative to other towns. So when you're using a book, you want to know what places should I go? Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't, I found it not helpful in guiding me to where I should be spending my limited time. Um, I read a bit of a Fromers and I'd heard that Fromers was a bit more opinionated than I think it is. Yeah. So if that's what you're looking for, maybe go there. I really like uh, reading travel blogs to find out what people did mm-hmm. like searching like Bolivia travel blog, finding out what people did, what their experiences were, what companies they booked with. And I also love wiki travel. Wiki travel was a huge asset for us traveling in South America. We always wiki travel before we got to a city. Yeah. But still on wiki travel, it still te- uh, treats each city independently instead for of sure. as a region. Yeah, for sure. So I think travel blogs are kind of more of a space where you could find people saying, Oh, don't go here. Use your time to go here instead. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. That's something that I tried to put into my travel blog, Mm. just where we liked, you know, where we could have spent more time, where we could have spent less time. I think our rule of thumb is to usually budget three nights in a city though. Hey, now that we've traveled more. Yeah. That was kind of our, um, our standard amount. And then if we, okay, it's super small city, not much to do. Maybe we can cut that down. Um, big city, jack it up. But three nights is a nice space. Even two nights, two think, nights is hard a lot of the time because you get in, you don't have that day you get in just one day, then you're leaving that next day. So three nights you have two days in the place to do stuff. For sure. And I mean, if it's somewhere where there isn't that much to do, you take time to catch up on, I call it like travel admin work. So you're checking out hostels in the next city, doing research on the places you want to go, figuring out your transportation, sending postcards home, writing your journal. 
or just relaxing because yeah. sometimes travel can be really stressful and you just really do need that me time. Yeah. And for, for me, a lot of travel is about having completely free time to do self-growth work. Um, part of traveling is about being not at home. So independent of whatever city I'm in, like I like to read a lot and write. So I can be happy staying in a city where there's not much to do for a week or staying in a city there where there is a lot to do for a week. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I completely agree. So that was definitely a good. Yeah. It was a learning experience helping us um, plan the amount of days you need in a city. Because I think we found if you're only going to spend one night in a city, most of the time you probably shouldn't even go. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, we should have just gone and spent another night in Dublin or Cork as opposed to going to Belfast for two nights and only having one full day there and not really making, you know, not really doing much with our day. Like we did stuff. We did see stuff, but we didn't see a ton. And because we had to figure out bus tickets, we had a bit of trouble with that. So we were kind of going back and forth between the bus station, causing some stress, taking out our enjoyment. We only had 24 hours there or something. So it kind of got eaten up quickly. Mm -hmm. But then we hopped on a bus and we're on our way to Dublin. Yes. And so um, in Dublin, we stayed at the Kinlay House, which is near the Temple Bar area. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love that hostel. Yeah, I remember after our Europe trip and even, I think it was when we were in South America, we were making a list of what our favorite hostel were, hostels were that we had ever been to. And that one was up there. It wasn't at the super top, but it was on the top 10 of... Yeah. So something that I liked about it was when you walked in, there was a really big uh, general area. So breakfast was served there. A lot of people made dinner there because there was a huge kitchen. There's a lot of paintings on the wall. So it was a really colorful, fun environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the rooms were, I remember we had like good locking rooms. I actually got locked out one night and had to like bang on the door and wake people up because I forgot my key. But I like when you can leave your stuff and you feel secure about it. Yeah. And it was uh, a cool building too. Yeah, I think it was four floors up. Yeah, and it had one of those big um, staircases that kind of moves in a square around the edges. So the whole, there's a lot of open space between all the floors, big common area, big kitchen. It was kind of a big, small hostel. Yeah, and because we stayed in Temple Bar area, which is definitely pretty touristy, food was really expensive there. So we went to Tesco, which is the shopping center there, which we loved. And we cooked quite a few dinners bought a lot of lunches, ate breakfast at the hostel. We really tried to yeah, we cut down on the spending though. on food there for sure. Yeah, we had noticed in Northern Ireland that prices were quite a bit cheaper. And then you get to Dublin and especially, I think um, Dublin, but from a couple of people we talked to while we were there, there's quite a contrast between um, you know normal areas and then that Temple Bar. Temple Bar touristy area, especially with prices because Ireland had gone through a lot of... Um, economic problems with the 2008 recession depression yeah um so i think ireland's still struggling quite a bit yeah i think they're they had gone they had a massive housing bubble that burst there and a lot of people lost a lot of money a bunch of banks went under and then somehow the banks and the government colluded to get all the taxpayers to pay off the banks so they can not go to business all that fun stuff. Definitely but not ideal for the city. The country. I had gone in with an opinion 
I think it's a fairly general thing for people to be like, oh, I don't like doing the touristy crap. Would you say that? Would you agree with that? But there's a lot of people who are like, I don't like being touristy. But like for me, I did. I enjoy going to, we got off the bus station, it's a bit grittier. You go into the touristy area. You don't feel so out of place. Um, The bars are, yes, all the all the all the bars are for tourists, but it, they're still cool. They're still serving Irish beer, which is good. And they've all got live music. Oh, the live music's so good. It's so good. We have a really cool video that we're going to put on our show notes. They're playing Galway Girl. Yeah, we heard that song about a million times in Ireland. I just love it. It takes me right back to Ireland every time I hear it. I don't think I've met any Irish people who actually liked that song, though. Maybe not. I like it. I don't know if we met any Irish people in Ireland. I think we met them no, all in yeah, Australia. Yeah, we met it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the way our trip worked. We met no European people in Europe and then no Australian people in Australia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty amusing. Um, so what did we do in Dublin? Um, the first thing we did was go to the Guinness Brewery. Yeah, and we did that based on, we bought tickets for the hop-on, hop-off sightseeing bus. So that was one of our first stops, I think. Yeah, I think we went there at like 10.30 in the morning, which um, I was happy with because that was like the thing I wanted to do in Dublin. Also, it... I think it gets really busy in the afternoon. So it was a bit smoother, calmer in the morning. Yeah. So you go in and you do a tour of the beer making process. It's a really impressive facility and tour. It's gigantic. It's yeah. I think you're on the tour. You're going up like a seven story building or something like that. Yeah. They walk you through the entire process of how they make Guinness and it's not kitschy the way our Scotch whiskey experience is. Like it's interactive, but it's informative informative yeah and i think the coolest thing i saw or the coolest thing for me on the tour was all the old advertising they had a ton of old signs and old marketing campaigns especially they had like this guinness is good for you marketing campaign yeah like a so guinness a day yeah a guinness a day makes you healthy then there's all racist stuff yeah, pictures of indians and whatnot it's it's cool we bought a deck of cards there that was our souvenir from the guinness factory so we have all the different cards have different old advertisements on it. It's really mm. cool. Yeah, I don't know. So that marketing was from the, obviously the early days of marketing, kind of like the Mad Men style. Um, I don't know. Do you think that advertisers just thought people were stupider then or were people actually dumber? Did people think that beer was good for you? Because they did the same thing with cigarettes. Like, oh, doctors recommend Marlboro. I think it was very much like what was put out with marketing because it was so new was people believed it. And nowadays people are very, they're very skeptical of marketing. And I think we have so much better access to information too. Yeah. It's like you read something in an ad and then you go and Google it and you become informed your own way. Whereas people were like, oh, Guinness, Guinness is good for you. I'm going to drink Guinness when really it's like you're drinking Guinness because it tastes good. But then this, you're justifying it because this ads told you it's good for you. Yeah, it helps. It gives you a rationalization. And in that time, maybe you were able to avoid information better because your only source of information is like the news or books and you may not be into health stuff. Okay. Yes. The people probably went down there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, then we got to learn how to pour a pint of Guinness and it's not the same as pouring a regular pint. You have to let it sit in between, um, pours. Like you don't fill it up all the way. You let it sit and then you want to have a nice thick head of foam on the top because that's where the most of the flavor is. 
Yeah, yeah. That was so you get a beer. You get to try a beer earlier on the tour. And then you get a pint that you get to pick if you do pour your own pint or there's a place up top called the Sky Bar, which is this glass circle here. Circular. I'm eating a lot of words today. <laughs> um, circular bar with a great view of Dublin and you can have a beer up there included in your tour. And so we, we chose go- to pour our own pint because we wanted yeah. to learn how to make, how to pour Guinness properly. Might as well learn something while you're drinking beer. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I was also pretty happy about Amanda's gluten intolerance at the Guinness factory. Yeah, I think Ryan drank like seven eighths of my beer. I tasted it though. I gave Guinness a chance, but it's too heavy in my stomach for sure. Um, in general, I wouldn't drink Guinness, but yeah. appreciate it a little bit more because of the talking Guinness about tour. it is making me crave it. <laughs> Maybe we can go get a Guinness after this. I'll get a Magners. Listen to Galway Girl. Yeah, for sure. So, what else did we do in Dublin? Um, we also saw it was a Christchurch. Yeah, Christchurch, St. Catherine's Church, the Dublin Dublin Castle, um, St. Patrick's Church, St. Patrick's Church. Lots of churches. Church, 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 church. We didn't go in any of them because by this point we were pretty churched out already. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how we were about two weeks into our first long term trip and we were already churched out. I think I wrote in my journal about how I'm getting tired of going to churches. And then you continue on like Europe, every single town has a church. That's like one of the main attractions. Um, yeah. South America, cathedral, cathedral, cathedral. Those are all oh, the attractions. Oh, what do you see in this? Oh, you. Plaza de Armas and that cathedral. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Um, we also were there for Canada Day. So that yeah. was... I'd never been out of Canada for Canada Day before, so it's pretty exciting to do something different. I remember we bought a pub crawl tickets because it said it was like the best Canada Day pub crawl, and then we got on it, and it was so weird. Yeah, there was nothing Canada Day related. About there was the pub no crawl. other Canadians. It was just the two of us for Canadians. We did attach to three American girls though, because the rest of the group was very interesting. We attached to American girls. We made friends with three American girls. <laughs> who were studying in Brussels. Mm-hmm. We're just on like a weekend getaway to Ireland. And we actually found out that there was a bar, not on our pub crawl, that was doing like a special Canada Day thing. It was called the Wool Shed. And so we ditched the pub crawl and went over there. Yeah, that was more of an authentic Canadian experience. Yeah, so we walked in and they had the 2010 men's gold medal hockey game where Canada won playing that a DJ from Vancouver in a Canucks Jersey. They were serving Canadian beer and Caesars, potato chips. Yeah. Craft dinner, just like a ton of Canadians there. So at the time it was a pretty cool experience for us. Yeah, it was enjoyable. I remember we got there fairly late. So there weren't very many Caesars left. So we were happy to get one of those. Yeah, for sure. Even though we'd been out of the country for hardly any time at all. I felt like we had been out for a while. It did feel like we'd been out for a while. Um, I think just the first time away from home where you know you're not going back for so long and it's like, oh, Canada, and you really latch onto that national identity. Yeah, and I find the trip, especially that trip and then also our last one, the first few weeks of the trip, it seems like time is very slow. Like There's so much more texture and detail to your life and to your experiences, and then it seems like every single day it starts to go a little bit faster as it becomes more normal and you spend a bit more time on autopilot. For sure. Yeah, I completely agree with that. 
And then every time you maybe switch and have a drastic change, like when we switched from Europe to Asia, it's like, whoa, yeah. everything's new. And it kind of puts you into this state of um, chaos. No, just everything's new. So it's like, um, I remember this, I was listening to something about flow states where they talk about how traveling and being in new places, putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, just because everything's a bit strange, can put you into a bit of a state of flow. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So um, it felt like it had been a while. Yeah. But it hadn't been that long. And so we ended that night with a late night shawarma. Um, and the reason why I'm pointing this out, we actually had shawarma in Belfast too, is shawarma is a ongoing theme for us in Europe. Um, yeah, I didn't we, realize it was like the go-to drunk food in Europe, the shawarma. It kind of became our like go-to dinner food when we didn't have a good grocery store or a kitchen to cook in and we didn't want to spend a lot of money because they are dirt cheap and they're filling. Yeah, so for European people, I think it's the go-to drunk food. For us, it was our go-to food. And drunk food. <laughs> and drunk food. Not breakfast food. Depending. Yes. Actually, a few times. But yeah, because you can get fries and shawarma for a reasonable amount of money. It's easy, quick. Um, so we ate a lot of that in Europe. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, the day after Canada Day was a bit of a slow start. And then we went to like a marketplace or like a flea market type thing down mm -hmm. in Temple Bar. And we got... Uh, food from like that area. I think I don't remember what you got, but I got these like taco corn taco things. I got some barbecue um, thing. It was like pulled pork, kind of like a southern U.S. style barbecue. Yeah, it was cool. I really enjoyed that. Like not paying to sit down at a meal, but getting some like, good quality food for a pretty reasonable price. Mm -hmm. We didn't have much of that in Europe at all. Yeah. Um, and then that day we also took the hop on hop off bus once again uh they usually give you tickets for 48 hours so it's really beneficial if you're going to be in a city for two days to really dedicate that time if you're going to buy the pass because they're not i think they cost like 15 euros so they're not that cheap but if you have two days you just hop on you can ride it all the way around uh we stopped off at a jail called the kilmanham gowl I think I just butchered that. I know you just butchered that, but I don't know how to say it properly. <laughs> I was going to say you give it a go. Um, the jail was pretty interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Um, we learned a lot about more about the English and Irish conflict. Um, that was a place where a lot of um, Irish independence fighters, freedom fighters, whatever you want to call them, were jailed. A lot of people who weren't actually engaged in fighting, but just kind of agreed intellectually with Irish independence were put there. Yeah. There are some really cool stories. It's a really cool jail. I remember them saying that a few movies have been filmed there. Yeah. Had you been in a jail before that? I think that was my the first jail I'd ever been to. Yeah, that was also the first jail I'd ever been to. And I observed, too, that the doorways were all so small. I remember you standing against when it came to like, like the top of the door was probably at your eyeballs. Mm. So tiny. Yeah. That was cool. But, um, would you recommend people to yeah, go there? Yeah, absolutely. Like if you're in Ireland, you need to, you don't need to do anything, but you, I found the history you learned there. The experience, the tour was really good. It's a really cool place to go and learn more about the conflict. Yeah. I think so too. 
Um, and then our last stop in Dublin was O'Connell Street, which is the largest street in Dublin. So we walked along there. There's a giant pole. Giant pole. Wasn't, is that where I imitated that statue? Um, I don't know. I have a thing for uh, imitating statues. We'll post a photo. It's pretty special. Get to know me a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit of a weirdo. Not the Molly Malone statue. No. She's a little provocative. Most of her boobs are hanging out. And she's got nice cleavage. Yeah. Do you know what the deal with Molly Malone is? No, I just remember liking the statue because there's a bar called Molly Malone's in Calgary. <laughs> Anything that was named after something that I knew of back home, I was like, oh gosh, I need to see it. This is so cool. Taking a photo. Yeah, it's funny how we did, did that at the start of our trip, taking bars or businesses with the same names as friends and stuff. Friends, anything that related to home. Yeah. Um, so while we were in Dublin, we took a day trip to the Cliffs of Moher. Yes. And this is probably one of the highlights of, I think, our whole trip for me. I absolutely loved the Cliffs of Moher. Um, and at the time, I mean, I'm thankful that I've been to Giant's Causeway now. But at the time, I was like, you know, this makes up for the fact that we missed Giant's Causeway up north. Yeah, because you can also go do a Giant's Causeway tour from Dublin. It's like a 12-hour day trip, though, and it's better to do it from Belfast because yeah, you have to leave at like 6 in the morning and you don't get back to like, I think it's more than 12 hours. I don't think you get back to like 8 p.m. or something. Yeah, because uh, the Cliffs of Moher tour was all day, too. Yeah, it was. Um, the Cliffs of Moher are cliffs on the western side of Ireland. They are about... The tallest ones are 800 feet tall. Is that a question? No. Okay. It's a statement. <laughs> I'm so telling you. 800? I'm on Burgundy. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I've been practicing my yeah, Spanish too much. I just question everything. <laughs> they're really cool. I feel like it's one of those features that like, you're watching a movie of Ireland and you get this like pan shot of like, you know, a grassy thing with some cliffs dropping off into the sea. And it's like, ooh, we're watching something about Ireland now. Yeah. And driving through the Irish countryside was just like, for anybody who's seen and loved P.S. I Love You, it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm driving yeah. through the Irish countryside. Like, where is Gerard Butler? I believe we actually watched P.S. I Love You on the bus. Home. We yeah. did. It was amazing. Yeah. So the tour after the Cliffs of Moher was P.S. I Love You. Um, That's great, though. That is a great movie. Um, but so you go to the Cliffs of Moher and there's like a stone wall just because people have actually been blown off the cliffs before. Um, and a lot of can, people jump off too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but then you can kind of bypass that wall and just like walk along the cliffs. And so we did that, obviously, because... We're hardcore. Know, we're hardcore, yeah. Mm -hmm. We saw people pushing strollers with babies in them along there. Yeah, like people... Women in like high heels. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's crazy. Some people... I definitely recommend bypassing it though and like really getting to the side of the cliff because it's cool. Unless you have a baby. Unless you have a baby or you're wearing high heels. But if you're wearing high heels, just probably don't go on the tour. But they're probably not listening to our podcast. I doubt they're listening to our podcast. We're more into the horse weaponry people, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Inside joke from episode four. <laughs> episode three, two. Oh. Too. <laughs> Maybe you should listen to all of them to find out where that joke came from. Um, so then we stopped at a couple other spots on the tour. But I remember thinking the whole time, like, 
oh, I wish I had a car so I could be out here driving. Yeah. If I was doing Ireland again, and actually a friend recommended this to me, I would for sure rent a car. Um, Probably still do hostels because it rains quite a bit, but may- maybe do some camping if you're there in the summer. Mm-hmm. There's some. I remember when we were there, there's a big festival going on, Oxygen. Um, I remember hearing lots of good things about Galway and some other spots along the West Coast. Is there Killarney as well? Um, yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, getting a car and driving around would be the way I would do Ireland if I went back. Yeah, I mean, a day tour is definitely good, but at the same time, you're forced to make stops along the way. And, you know, I think we would have liked more time at the Cliffs of Moher to just do that or to have gone straight there mm-hmm. or to stop in other places or, you know, they stop where they plan to take you and you don't get to just stop and enjoy as you please. And from Dublin, it's not super far away, but it is. You wake up early, you're on the bus for a long time to get there, then you get up, leave after a little while and you're just on the bus again on the way back. You make stops, but those stops are more just um, technical stops. There's nothing really super interesting about them. And you just spend a lot of time sitting on a bus watching stereotypical touristic Irish movies. Don't. It's a pretty good movie. I liked it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, it's it's a fabulous movie. So then from Dublin, we took a train to Cork. And that was actually the first time we had used our Eurorail passes. Yeah. So we bought them beforehand. And um, basically, we paid an arm and a leg for them. They were expensive. Not cheap. Yeah. But- I only paid one arm because mine are longer. <laughs> no. bad joke wub, wub. Um, yeah no <laughs> they were really funny expensive. what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, um, or take, they were expensive the Eurorail passes and they make it seem okay I don't know if they make it seem or maybe we're just not uh, paying enough attention but it's like oh unlimited you're just going to get on the trains and cruise around do whatever you want and it's a hassle Saying that though, like we haven't traveled without a Euro Rail Pass, so we don't really know if it's easier to just hop on. No, because I don't know if they make it that easy for foreigners to do that. No, but given the airline situation in Europe, I think you can substitute a lot of those trains for, um, for flights. I think if you're, do you prefer plane travel to train? train I I really enjoy train travel because you get, um. Most of the time in Europe, the trains are really nice. You're in those ones where it's four seats facing each other and there's a table in the middle. So I remember always getting journaling done and feeling very productive. Mm. The train trips are fairly short. Um, there's a couple places. So Northern Europe, Germany, Holland, it's really nice and easy to train there. Mm-hmm. Switzerland as well. Italy um, was decent. Spain was our Italy biggest was reasonable. Pain in the Spain has a nice set of trains. Um, the Renfe system had like a really nice train. But the problem is you have to reserve before you take any train. So you essentially have to go buy a ticket, but they call a ticket a reservation, even though you bought the pass, you have to go, you can't do it any other way other than showing up, waiting in line forever and dealing with these employees 
at the train station. So you waste a lot of time there and you always have to pay for reservations. And in uh, France, Paris specifically. So expensive. They were very expensive reservations and you could only get them on very odd hour trains. I think we trained in Paris at like four in, in the morning and trained out at five and paid close to 40 euros each way when we already apparently had an unlimited ticket. Yeah. So that was really, convenient. if you are going to Europe and you're planning to do something like two-month unlimited trains, it, it's questionable whether it's worth it. Like make sure you're doing your research comparing to flights. Um, it does help you with a bit of freedom, but don't think that you have complete freedom because you always have to get reservations. Sometimes the trains are full because they only have a certain number of spots for Eurorail pass people. Yeah, and I think, too, the Eurorail website is really confusing. Um, I would definitely recommend people to go talk to a travel agent and get them to put out a def bunch of different options for you. Like for me or for us, like I reached out to our travel agent, but I basically just told her what we wanted as opposed to being like, you know, this is how long we're going to go for. What are the different options? You know, what do they allow us to do? Um, and I like to just get things done. I don't, like I just wanted to get it done, like check it off the list type thing. And something that I've learned is to be more meticulous with stuff like that and really look at what you're getting for the money you're paying. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that there probably was a better option for what would have been best for us. Yeah. So we trained down to Cork. Yeah. And we actually stayed at a hostel that was right beside the train station, which was nice because I remember walking for like half an hour to 45 minutes from Dublin from a hostel in Dublin to the train station and just being like, Oh God, how close is it? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Um, <laughs> so it was nice not having a long walk. And then we stayed at a hostel called brew bar hostel, which is actually rated one of the top 10 hostels in Europe, I believe. Yeah, it was nice, but I don't remember thinking it was spectacularly nice. No, I think it was quiet when we were there. Like, I mm -hmm. think there was only like one other person in our, I don't know, six or eight bed dorm. It was pretty quiet when we were there. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it was a, I think one of the things that makes it popular is that it's got a cool bar, but. Um, it just wasn't that busy. Yeah. It was we really there. dead when we were there. We went down for drinks, but just, I don't think we met anybody in Cork. It was just really quiet. Yeah. So the thing to do in Cork is to go to the Balarney Castle and kiss the Balarney Stone. Fun fact, the Blarney Stone is the world's most unsanitary tourist attraction, with the second most unsanitary tourist attraction being the gum wall in Seattle, which we've also been to. I don't really believe those stats, though, because I think the most unsanitary tourist attraction in the world probably would be like one of many tourist attractions in like India or something. Yeah, there's probably somewhere where people like pee and then like kiss it or something. I don't know. That would be pretty gross. <laughs> No, you don't think so? No, I don't know. Maybe that's a tourist attraction. Okay, well, I'm just quoting what I read on the internet. But regardless, we went to the Blarney Castle. Um, do you remember getting there? We took like a public bus there and the yeah. roads are so tiny. The bus did like a five-way turn, if it's possible. Like couldn't just turn around because the like turn the corner because it was so tight. Had to like turn a little bit back up, turn back up, turn back up. And all the while, there's like cars trying to go the other way. I just remember being like, oh my gosh, this bus is going to crash into this stone wall. 
on our way there. Yeah, I remember being on the bus with a whole bunch of people going to the Blotney Stone, and then no one knew where we were, they were going, and then the driver didn't like feel like mentioning that we were at the Blarney stop, so we all missed it. Oh, I forgot about that. But eventually we did get to the Blarney Castle Grounds, and it's a really cool space. It's not just, you don't just show up and kiss a rock and leave. There's lots of, you can spend a day there. It's a nice place. Yeah, we went through like the dungeons and walked all over the castle grounds. There's lots of green space. Like we spent quite a bit of time there, ate lunch there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course we went to kiss the Blarney Stones. So you actually go up to the top of a castle tower and you like weave around this like outer wall thing. You wait in this like long line and then they lie you down and you're over top of this square ledge that goes down to the ground and you hold on to bars and they guide you the whole way. You can't just do it yourself. And then you kiss it like super quickly and you're up and out. Mm. And there's so many people that they move you through like cattle. You're so quick. Yeah, I didn't really realize the Blarney Stone was like a stone that was part of a castle. I was kind of picturing like a stone somewhere. Yeah, like it's literally just a stone that's a part of the wall. So you're it's like kissing the Blarney Wall. Yeah, essentially. But apparently it gives you the gift of the gab. Which I don't know if we have received. Well, maybe it's they inspired us to speak about travel. Maybe. We'll go with that. Um, what else did we do in Cork? Um, we saw some churches and cathedrals, explored some shops. We encountered a sea lion catch and eat a fish on the canal. Mm. I remember we watched that for a while. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and then we went for fish and chips. Do you remember? There was a place right down from Brew Bar Hostel. And uh, they grilled my fish for me. It was really good and really affordable. Yeah. Uh, definitely the best fish and chips that we had throughout our United Kingdom Ireland adventure, in my opinion. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but altogether, Cork wasn't too remarkable for me. No, I wasn't overly impressed by the city of Cork. Uh, I definitely liked the Blarney Castle. I think that it was worth the trip down for that. I yeah. would do Ireland different, though. Um, How would you do it if you were to go again? Um, more time. Probably either fly into the north or the south and rent a car. And I don't know. I feel like you could spend two weeks at minimum i feel like three weeks would be a nice amount of time there in ireland and just driving i'd really try to get into the countryside see more of the landscape um go to some of the smaller towns because i've heard some people tell stories about going to like a locals pub and really getting to meet like irish locals which i think would be really cool yeah it's a pretty cool culture there um with live music at bars and more of a social atmosphere in a bar than what you'd be used to experiencing here in Canada where you go to the bar with your friends and you don't talk to anyone else and they're just blasting top 40 music. Mm-hmm, for sure. So that would have been cool to experience. I think Ireland would be a good place to just take a normal vacation from work because if you've got a two-week vacation, you can go to Ireland, drive around, see a bunch of cool stuff. It's manageable in that period of time. For sure. And it's not... Um, it's, it's a bit of a long flight, but... Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add? Nothing. Ireland? Nothing. Nothing more. Um, so next week, we're actually going to take a bit of a break from talking about our travels and discuss a little bit more about our budgeting tips beforehand and while traveling, as well as some packing tips and a few other like general 
travel details that we hope you'll find really helpful if you are planning to backpack. Yeah, and then once we resume our series on places, we will be in Barcelona and Pamplona for the running of the bulls. Vamos a ir a España. Sí, y um, uh, if you want more information about any of the things we talked about today, check out the show notes on our website, theworldwanders.com. For sure. Adios. See ya. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.